folks. XQ quality, better than HQ, but no one knows what the X stands for, except we're extremely good. <clears throat> Here we go. Episode 202 of Channel Massive. Half of a 404. <laughs> I wonder what it means, Mark. I think half is clueless. <laughs> I wonder what we'll do for episode 404. Should we ever get there? I don't know. We'll probably put together some kind of crazy medley of that past like podcasts. Four years from now, that would be... The next presidential election cycle. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's crazy, crazy to think about. I don't know if I want to think that far in the future. I don't either. It scares me. <laughs> I'm Noah. I am Mark. And we have a special guest with us in this episode. Welcome, Ter. Hello. Ter wasn't able to join us for our episode 200 extravaganza. but You guys coinc- sounded like you had your hands full anyway. <laughs> yeah, it was like herding cats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we wanted you to be on the show, but unfortunately you had a conflict. So here you are. It's great to have you on the show so soon thereafter. Good and to we be went here. a bit of an awkward moment because Tara gave us a lot of emotional feedback <laughs> to the last two episodes, which I was looking forward to reading. Emotion. You can still read it if you want. But it's kind of awkward with Tear here because I feel like it might create a time paradox or something like that. Yeah, no doubt. You get sucked into your headphones. It'd be horrible. Oh, man. And one of the great things that Tear's going to provide on this episode that your unfortunately unprepared co-hosts, Mark and Noah, can't provide is some insightful E3 commentary. <laughs> Yes. Because Mark and I have been raked over the coals this week via work and many other circumstances with not as much time for E3 as we'd like. Or for anything. Yeah, really. <laughs> I've been working very hard this weekend as well, you know. On killing things in Diablo 3? Yes, it's very tough work. And, self, and self-filtering? so yeah we're gonna get into what everybody's gaming time how it's been spent this last week in a what we're playing segment and before that we do have some listener feedback from people other than terror we'll cross that bridge when we get there and figure out how to deal with the paradox but before that we have intergeddon of course this is e3 week e3 2012 and there has been a lot of developments, a lot of news, and potentially for some people, there's been some disappointment this week. And we could potentially do an entire episode where we talk nonstop, as I did over at Nintendo Heartcast, because I did have to focus on the Nintendo side of things just a little bit. We talked for over two and two hours and 20 minutes about Nintendo over there. So I'm not as inclined to talk about it again, but there's plenty of other stuff 
with Microsoft and Sony. And of course, I'd love to hear what you two think, if anything, about the Nintendo news. But there are plenty of other games and surprises, as well as, on top of that, some other news that's quite appropriate for the intro get-in. First up, Mark, what is this Plague Inc. game? Is it is it only available on the App Store? Yeah, unfortunately, it's only available for the uh, for iOS right now. Although I imagine, due to its um, unbridled popularity, it will be quickly ported to every other possible um, platform in existence. Yeah. Um, and basically, it, it it actually only took three days to unseat um, Angry Birds Space. I think to be the number one app on the App Store. So it was it was kind of viral, which is funny because it's uh, all about you're in control of a global pandemic that, and you get to mutate your virus or your bacteria or whatever you you choose to use to uh, as your weapon of choice, and you get to modify it and figure out how to make it spread quicker, figure out how to make it more hardy, make it. Um, create all the cool side effects. For instance, I created one that was like the Walking Dead one, which is where I gave one of its side effects was, or symptoms was it created amnesia, and the other one was an insanity, so you had people just shambling around. The best (laughs) one I got was I managed to I managed to um, cause people to be pooping in the streets by combining diarrhea with insanity. Oh. And what's cool is, is that that was like, that in turn caused it to spread even faster <laughs> oh man so was, through public feces that's but don't great. think but that's just a very minor part of the i mean it's really not about body humor <laughs> it's actually it's a really well done um iphone app and uh, i i was like showing um bob who's joined us a few times on the podcast i showed it to him today and i was like i don't know why but this is just so fun i can't stop playing it and he pl- he sat there and played the whole thing through. Not while well at work, in case anyone who works with us is listening. It was somewhere else. Um, it was during a sanctioned lunch break. But anyway, <laughs> very special and very yeah. private. His little quiet place. Yeah, in his quiet place. But it was like he couldn't put it down, and I I couldn't either. It's just really um, well. It kind of speaks to the developer side of you, wouldn't it? Because you get to. It's kind of like a puzzle, a strategy puzzle game where you're like, how should it, it spread? What should the symptoms be? Where yeah. Should, and so, and and as it spreads, you know, some climates it's harder to spread to. And then once people start to take it seriously, they start to develop a cure. And then you're trying to figure out ways to make it immune to the cure and, and ways to stop the progress. So I came up with nasty side effects that made them, like, too busy to actually work on the cure. Um, <laughs> and uh, so it's basically like an anti-civilization game. Instead of creating a civilization, you're trying to destroy civilization, and um, it's it's really good and challenging. Well, so I thought, wow, this is just a real gem to have just emerged because the the site that it comes from, I did some reading about it, and um, it's by um, Endemic, I think is the name of the company. But it's just a hobby these two two or three guys have, I think. And so I was like, wow, how did they do this? Well, it turns out there's a Flash game that's been around for a long time called Pandemic. Um, and a lot of people are saying this is just a blatant ripoff of Pandemic, but with way better user, uh, you know, user interface and usability and, uh, you know, art direction and that type of thing. I don't know. Um, looking at the Flash game, the Flash game's pretty rough around the edges. It had, it had, it did not have good usability. Didn't have all the features. So it's kind of like, would you say that 
you know, League of Legends is a total ripoff of Dota, or is it just inspired, or is, you know, Minecraft a ripoff of uh, Infiniminer, or was it inspired? I think it's more of an inspired game, but I can guarantee you I would have never heard of Pandemic 2 or 2.5 now, but this, I did hear about it, and I think it's pretty cool. So it brings up kind of an interesting question about, you know, is it a ripoff, or is it just kind of a new you know, genre is it? Is it like saying that anything that came after Doom is a is a ripoff of you know because it's an RTS ripoff, or is that just a a new game style that's defined? Um, a lot of angst on the forums over it, and people using lots of bad words. So <laughs> kind of kind of interesting. Jeez. Well, I, I actually when I saw Pandemic, um, as I recall, that's actually a a tabletop game that's been around for quite some time uh, by a, a pretty popular tabletop game designer. Uh-huh. And it's actually one I've always wanted to try oh, uh, cool. because I've, I've heard a lot of cool things about it. It's one that I haven't picked up yet, but I have another game by that game designer called Forbidden Island, which is made by the Game Right people who make uh-huh. family and kids games, the, card games that are really accessible and still really fun, even if you're an adult. Yeah. And that game is really cool. And it's all it, it creates really interesting dynamics where it's basically – you the players versus the game versus oh, you the cool. players versus each other. So yeah. you're trying to overcome some kind of obstacle. And in Pandemic, I believe it is like some... But that's what I was curious about is that I thought Pandemic, it was the humans against the virus trying to keep it from spreading, but I don't know it well because I haven't played it. Yeah. But all that aside, uh, this app still sounds really cool and I want to try it regardless. Whether it's ripoff or not, it sounds really fun. It is really fun, and it's it's cool because you get to name your plague or your virus or whatever. So I named mine Narf, and then it gives you all these cool <laughs> news updates like the whole time. Like Narf has been has spread to Chile, you know, and you're like, woohoo, getting more popular. So yeah, I think you would really like it, Noah, just because the the usability and the the uh, art direction are so right on. You know, they only used like four colors. It's like red, white black or uh, gunmetal gray and, and blue. And, you know, it's just things like that. that It's just it's so tight the way they did it. It's just it's awesome. So I'd like to get your take on it. And there's ter- yours too, Tara, if you so choose. I'd be interested uh, to see what you think as well. I don't have an iPhone. Ah. I don't yeah, play I games on my to... mobile. Dang. Well, well actually, that's going to change. <laughs> Because Final Fantasy Dimensions is going to come out, and it's a Final Fantasy game, and I have to play it. So you'll have to change your standards. Uh, I'll play it. I I will upload that game onto my mobile, and I will play it. <clears throat> but yeah. But otherwise, well, yeah, I am actually ever since I got my Droid, there have been. I downloaded a bunch of games at first, and I ended up only playing a few. But I do like going back to those super accessible, simple games time and time again. And this sounds like one that I would love to add if and when the Droid version of this game comes out, which I'm sure it will. It's become so popular there. Either either it will or Zynga will bring it to you. Yes. They'll just find a a more artistically pleasing way to bring it to me. Right, right. (laughs) And a blatant ripoff if they can't buy the company (laughs) out. Not a subtle ripoff, but a blatant one. But hey. Yes. What else do we have in the wonderful intro, Geddon? Well, you know, I think. We, yeah. I think that mobile gaming is really bizarre. Why do you think it's bizarre? 
I just don't, I don't see why it's a thing. A mobile is, it's supposed to be used for texting and phones. Now we know that over there your technology is not quite what it is here. So (laughs) we have some kind of a string connected to a can. So that probably limits your, you know, just kidding. I'm totally kidding. As we all know, actually, we're far behind what they have overseas technologically for mobile phones. But um, I don't know. I think for me, it's just something I do if I have absolutely nothing else to do and I have my phone with me. Although usually I use the Kindle reader and read a book. But Mm -hmm. um, every once in a while a game comes out that just you just notice it and you, you try it and you go, oh, my gosh, this is actually compelling you know i like it like i guess what is it infinity blade or something is supposed to be quite mm-hmm. good too with the iPad, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. i never i never downloaded it because it's kind of expensive this one was only 99 cents so Can't yeah. i don't know i guess it i don't know i always have a handheld with me if i'm out so i guess maybe that's it i just don't why don't people just use their handhelds i think that's the crux of the situation because when I'm playing my smartphone or mobile games, it's because I am somewhere that I forgot to bring my 3DS for, or it's just a place I wouldn't feel comfortable having it. And a prime example is when I go to get my hair cut, and I have to sit and wait before someone can actually cut my hair. Sometimes I'll bring my 3DS or my DS, but Usually I don't because I don't want to worry about, well, what if I drop it by accident or what if I put it down and somebody takes it or I leave it in my coat and they have me put my coat on a hanger, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas with my phone, I know I can always shove it in my pocket. And since the time to play a game is usually going to be pretty quick, it's not going to be for 30 minutes or 45 minutes, which is what I would like to do whenever I have my 3DS or my DS. It's like, ah, this is a decent way to use my time and play a game that I don't have a, a huge commitment or attachment to, and I can instantly stop if they're like, all right, we're ready to cut your hair. But you, but can, just made... clo- you can just close the lid of the 3DS and it sleeps. Yeah, I've, I've certainly, and I've done that before too. So I've, I've done both, but I've only had oh, it for a month. Well, You'll come anyway. around. Join no. us. No, Join I us. probably won't. Well, aren't you yeah. on a BlackBerry? No, I have a HTC Desire S. Okay, so I thought maybe is your mom or your sister on a BlackBerry for some reason? Uh, my mom and my eldest sister had one. Now my eldest sister just has one. My mom got a Galaxy 2. And uh, my eldest sister is going to be getting a Galaxy 2 as well. Because they oh, stopped nice. making black. They, well, they're stopping making blackberries for public consumption, so they've had to switch over to Android. And my eldest sister uh, really is a huge Mac fan, but the iPhones are just way too expensive <laughs> over here. Yeah. Oh, that sucks. Steal them. That's what I do. <laughs> well, it's because of the. No, I don't want to get it. The conversion rate is so fucked up. Like iPhones over there are what, like three or four hundred dollars, right? Less than that if it's with a contract. But you yeah. see, your car. for like the three hundred dollar iPhones, they put it at three hundred pounds, which yeah, is that's not, not the same. <laughs> it's not three hundred dollars. like twice as much. It's like six hundred dollars. Even even with cost of living, uh, 
accounting for cost of living in different currencies to get by, and that is just way out of the – it's, like, ridiculous. It is yeah. stupid. That is kind of exorbitant. That's what always surprised me that video games ever managed to take hold over there because it's I've it's always sounded like the Japanese companies and the American companies are like, yeah, our game system is going to be two hundred ninety nine dollars or two hundred ninety nine pounds, and yeah. the games are going to be fifty dollars or fifty pounds. It's like that's a huge increase. Yeah. I wouldn't be in video games probably if they were that expensive. I don't know. That's why that's why used games and. Uh... And rentals are fucking huge here. Because nobody can afford to keep buying these new games. Mm. At least it's not Australia, though. My God. Those guys <laughs> get fucked up the ass all the time with everything. Either they don't get the game, or it costs like five times what it costs anywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, th- those are truly hardcore fans. And I wonder if that was... Do you think the whole demand for used and rented games in the UK was I, I don't know exactly why game the store went into bankruptcy but was that a, a, part, a part of the reason why uh, I really I really have no idea about the financial side of what happened to game but game for me personally was my preferred store I that's where I traded in games that's where I bought games that's where I bought used games and new games that's where I bought all of my consoles that I had. So that was your main place to go to. Yeah. Or it is. Uh, well, the closest one now is in Manchester. And whereas that's only like 25 minutes away on the train, I'm not going to go into Manchester every fucking time I want to buy a game. So <laughs> I, just use, I just use Amazon now. And Amazon's trade-in is actually really good. You like list the stuff and they let you print out a free posters thing all you have to do is put it find your own box or whatever put it in send it on and they credit your account that's pretty hmm. cool that is cool yeah but i'm really sad that game is no longer around anyway hmm. tangent <laughs> yes all right going further into our inter get in stories something that we've talked about many times over the last month is the situation with Kingdoms of Amalur developer 38 Studios, the company after completely shuttering itself and its satellite developer, Big Something, uh, unfortunately I can't remember, the the folks that literally made Kingdoms of Amalur. uh, They have officially declared bankruptcy and there's, as Mark found the story, that, that there is, the, the governor is going to try to do everything in his power to make sure that the money that was taken from taxpayers to fund this venture does end up getting back to them in some way or form. And what's the one of the positive things that's come out of this is Epic Games has decided, you know, we were looking at making a satellite studio and well, let's make one up there by where 38 Studios was. And so they've created a new studio up there and they're going to take on a big chunk. Well, they're going to take on a chunk of the people from 38 studios as well as some other developers that shuttered up there recently that were under Zenimax and Bethesda. Oh, that's too cool. As I recall. So wow, these folks are going to be rounded up into a new Epic game satellite studio. And that, that studio is going to work on existing IP for Epic potentially related to Gears of War or, or whatever. So, that's kind of a nice thing because a lot of folks 
relocated to Rhode Island for the purpose of continuing oh, yeah. studios. And they're like, wow, we have no benefits, no insurance. We just bought a new house or whatever. Maybe there are other houses or whatever haven't been from where they moved or still on the market. It could be really bad. So it's nice that some of those people are going to get a reprieve and hopefully the rest of it just gets wrapped up as smoothly as possible. Another story that popped up at the beginning of E3 were came from a couple developers from Stern Agi, I think is what their name, or analysts, game industry analysts from Stern Agi. And they were claiming that it's all but certain that Xbox, the next Xbox and the next PlayStation are going to launch next year. There's no question about it. <laughs> and it's like, oh, okay, Microsoft and Sony, as we all know now, Definitely didn't say anything about new hardware plans. Uh, a Microsoft official even went on the record to say, Xbox 360 has at least another two years in its life cycle. And it's like, wow, that thing came out in 2005. <laughs> I think people machine. are ready. It is, it is a really great machine, but the jet, it, it feels like whether or not people, everyday consumers, are clamoring for a new system, it feels like developers are starting to push it, at least some of them, the ones that have lots of money, like Epic or Square, who are developing incredibly awesome state-of-the-art development engines. They're kind of like, all right, we're ready. We're ready to make this investment. <laughs> and it'll be interesting to see if the console makers follow suit, especially with Nintendo launching its new system this holiday season. Uh, of note, with regards to the next Xbox and 720, Sony did get on the record and made a statement that I thought was a little bit amusing. Jack Tretton, particularly the head of the Sony Computer Entertainment America, he's the CEO over there. He said, we've never been first. We've never been cheapest. It's about being best. And I think if you can build a better machine and it's going to come out a little bit later, that's better than rushing something to market that's going to run out of gas for the long term. <laughs> And okay. this is the same strategy that got Sony into a bunch of crap the first three or four yep. months that PS3 was out. But it's like now that it's rebounded, they're like, oh, oh yeah, we were, we were right. We were right all along. <laughs> it's almost like we meant to do that. We meant to face yeah. that. But see, look, now we're, now we're popular. So there, we're going to do it again. What do you guys think of this, Mark and Ter? Do you think consoles are going to come out next year? And second of all, what do you think of Sony's stance? Hmm. I don't think that they will come out next year. No, I think it's a bit early still. I think um I think the I think the Xbox will and I think Sony will not and they will as Noah has said pave the, pave the the way for themselves to screw themselves yet again. <laughs> That's Nintendo's job. Yeah, I know. <laughs> But something maybe, always, something always has to be wrong. Apparently, yeah, <laughs> something always has to be wrong. <laughs> you know what we need? We need more drama. <laughs> yeah, come maybe. on! Every every single one of their machines, something has been wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what was wrong with the DS? Uh, Game Boy game stuck out. But that's not like a critical failure that's going to cause a system. It was inconvenient. <laughs> it, it, annoys my, it annoys my my uh, OCDs that everything has to be... I did think it was weird. I didn't like symmetrical. 
because yeah. everything else it was, everything else is think about it. But that only happened after the redesign into the DS Lite. Well, you want me to tell you what was wrong with DS Fat? <laughs> <laughs> that ugly monster that Shaitan the Leviathan cursed and exiled from hell? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Next story in Intergeddon. There are rumors afoot, according to a quote unquote Bloomberg report, that Vivendi is considering selling its stake off in Activision Blizzard. What the heck? Vivendi came on board with Activision Blizzard by merging its own game groups to, I don't know if y'all remember, VU Games. Yeah. Merging that with Activision back in 2007. Back when Channel Massive started. <laughs> in fact, they did it because of us. I think it was our advice, something like yeah. that. It was an $18.9 billion merger when it occurred. And now, wow. at a June 22nd executive meeting, they may be looking to sell their share. And I wonder to whom. Who do you think that would be out there who would be interested in buying a share of Activision Blizzard, buying that share from it? Would it be some Jeez. kind of private investor you've never heard of or would it be like Fox or <laughs> crazy number, crap any number of people would want to get in on Blizzard Activision Blizzard yeah fuck maybe they'll go public <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe I don't know hmm yeah you've got a lot there that potentially could be good but I don't know apparently Vivendi has soured on sticking around with it. Maybe they had greater hopes for the old Republic than, yeah. than what were fulfilled. But kind of surprising to consider that that gigantic behemoth, the biggest game company out there, could be changing ownership hands yet again. It's just crazy. For the better, it's probably. So, hopefully. It's tens of billions. Yeah. It's such a crazy thing. And speaking of tens of billions, a story that came out so late last week, <laughs> we didn't include it in the show, but we didn't want to be negligent about it. Uh, Valve has been coy about, well, we don't know what type of financial model we'll take with Dota 2. And I think a year ago, we were all saying it's going to be free to play. It has to be free to play for the game to be competitively relevant with the existing Dota and with League of Legends and Heroes of New Earth. And surprise, surprise, they've come out and like, it is going to <laughs> But take note, Mark, this is not your League of Legends free-to-play experience. All champions will be freely available. You do not have to buy heroes and go I to... I know. That is crazy. That is pretty wild. Yeah, the things that you buy are purely aesthetic, which I thought was surprising. There are definitely a lot of people out there who like their skins. I know I've bought a ton of League of Legends skins. Maybe Valve may, will expect to make enough money in other ways that that's sufficient, or maybe they think they're just going to have the most kick-ass skins ever made. Do you think that this will be the long-term solution, guys? Do you think that they'll actually resort to selling champions in the long run or ch selling something else besides just skins? I have no idea about these games. Yeah, I don't follow them. It's hard to say. I I think they'll stick with it. I think they must have thought it through. But... Boy, you know, I don't know. You know what, though? Never underestimate aesthetics. Yeah. Every, everybody wants to look awesome. 
and people will pay to look awesome. That's true. In the real world and in the video game world. Yeah. (laughs) That's why I'm having my head switched with someone else's. (laughs) People will go to huge lengths to get to get the characters that they love to play looking fucking awesome. In any game. Yeah. Got to have my bling. Mm-hmm. The last part of the introgeddon is we put together just a scattershot list of things that could be interesting to some people, maybe not to others. Just little tidbits. First of all, Xbox Smart Glass, the answer to Wii U's tablet. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness. Revealed. Because the people demanded it. You can use your smartphones. You can use existing tablets. Probably not the iPad, but you can use existing <laughs> tablets to do all sorts of cool interface things with your Xbox, such as you could stop what you're doing, put your Xbox 360 controller down, and pick out plays for your Madden game on the tablet. Or let's say that you're watching Game of Thrones, and you're like, where on earth in all of Westeros are these characters on the screen at? And you can look at your smart glass, and there will be a dynamic map there showing what you're watching on TV right now, this is where they actually are in the world of Game of Thrones. Here that we're going to plot them on the map. Something that else seems, was, seems so sl- seamless. And, and something that you would want, I know, yes. Mark. Because you are all about as many inputs as possible. I am. <laughs> yeah. As much information as you can absorb at once. At, at any time, yes. <laughs> and one other example, perhaps the one that the only one that I thought was actually compelling, if, if you can't tell from my sarcasm, is that you could queue up a movie that you start watching on your – maybe you have a really long commute home and you're riding on a bus or a subway train or whatever, and you're watching on your phone, but you don't get all the way through it. And then you come home and like zoop, it just tells your big screen TV where you were in the movie and then just keeps seamlessly playing. And it's like that experience goes everywhere that you want. You can do that on Netflix anyway. But this is Microsoft. <laughs> Next, Netflix is on the Xbox. But it's not made by Microsoft. Fuck Microsoft. <laughs> so what is it? Did so, you watch that presentation? I've only read about it, and all I've read were negative things. They don't give a shit about anybody except Connect anymore. <laughs> and Connect is a piece of crap. Not my. So, I'm guessing you two aren't impressed with smart glass. <laughs> I don't think it'll change the way I live. No. I feel like the example, they're like, wow, this is going to really extend your gaming, and it's vastly superior to. There's actually a guy who came out from Microsoft and said it's preferable and superior to Wii U's tablet because you can use any device you want, whereas the Wii U gamepad, as it's officially called, is. It's it's in the middle of a controller. You can only use it with the Wii. Well, duh! It was <laughs> for that. Yeah. That's, you don't have to juggle a controller and some other random device of your selection as you would with a smart glass. So I think it's kind of hokey, but maybe they will refine it. Also, Halo 4 and Gears oh of War God. were highlights of new, X, new Xbox 360 developments. What did you think of the Halo 4 update, Tara? Big update, big change. New studio working on the game. 
I think that Halo 4 looks amazing. I'm really looking forward to it. Everything that I've seen about it is just... And I'm a big Halo fan girl, you know that. And I just... (laughs) I really am impressed with what I've seen so far of this new Halo. Well, that's saying something, because as a fangirl, you could just as easily be like, this totally sucks. What were they thinking? They've completely changed how Cortana looks. They're, I don't like what they're doing with the Forerunners. This looks like... I, I was talking with Evan about it actually a couple of days ago. He's like, it's totally a Metroid ripoff. They've just replicated Samus's visor for Metroid Prime in here, and the aliens all look like space pirates, blah, blah, blah. Did you feel that way? No. Oh, I think, yeah, I have uh, Evan, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it looks awesome. I love the way Cortana looks. Uh, I think she looks awesome, she, too. She doesn't look too different. No. And what you have to understand about Cortana is that she has been exposed to more technology than any other AI that has been created. She's passed her use date because she's been exposed to Forerunner technology, Covenant technology. She's been in and out of systems that no other AI has been in. I think that she, and she's just evolved. She's not a normal AI anymore. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's going to be a big focus in Halo 4, uh, how she's going to deal with the oncoming rampancy that AIs are susceptible to. Where they basically just kind of self-destruct, right? Uh, they gain awareness. That's what rampancy is. It's stages of awareness that they go through that normal people already have. Being AIs, though, they are kind of unable to deal with it in a rational way because they don't have real emotions that a person has. And so they end up going insane from all of them, and people kill them. Oh. They, don't, they don't die themselves. So I think that what I'm hoping is that it's going to explore uh, a way for Cortana to actually make it through the stages of rampancy and come out on the other end, you know, (laughs) something more evolved. I hope so. Anyway, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. (laughs) Everybody in my family is huge Halo fan. We're all looking forward to it. I have to say I watched a little bit of the, the demo, and I feel like Microsoft is setting up as the, well, I guess it's 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 slightly different than Halo One, Two, and Three, but it feels like they're setting up the first game to be a 360 game, and then the latter two games of the trilogy potentially are X, the next Xbox, or maybe the second one will bridge the gap again the way that it did for Xbox and Xbox 360. But it'll be really interesting to see how it evolves. The graphics look great. I like the artistic design. I think it has a lot of potential. And this is coming from me as someone who's not really a huge Halo fan, but I think it could be cool. I think that you think it could be cool also because, yeah, what Evan said, it does kind of look like Metroid, but that's awesome. I don't see anything bad about that. Yeah. I mean, he, he um, people say like, oh, you rip off this game and this game. So it's a good yeah. game. That's why it's been copied. <laughs> It works. It's good. Why is that a complaint? If it makes the game better, shut the fuck up and play the game. Exactly. I mean, and I think that's something that we can talk about related to another game that we'll get to just in shortly, is that sometimes it's nice to have more of the same or something that you're familiar with. I mean, it's definitely nice yeah. to have new concepts and new ideas, but if there's something that you're not tired of, let's play more of it. I know that for my dad, that is realistic 
contemporary first-person shooters. He loves those. He hasn't gotten tired of them. And for a long time, he loved World War II set first-person shooters, and he just kind of moved on from that. But we play what we like, and if the game is ultimately quality and still fun, nothing wrong with that. It's like earlier we were talking about Laws of Shadow, how it was like Dante's Inferno and God of War, and people called it a ripoff. But that's one of the reasons why I loved it. And why I loved Dante's Inferno, because it was like God of War, which I loved. Exactly. That's one of the reasons why I'm really excited about the teaser trailer we've seen for Beyond Good and Evil 2. It looks like a third-person Mirror's Edge, and I really liked Mirror's Edge, and I would love to see more games explore that whole wall-running parkour, jumping-across-ceilings concept. Yeah, I don't really see anything wrong with copying what works. If the game is good, I mean... Yeah. Now, any thoughts on the Gears of War prequel? Are you a Uh, Gears of War fan? I am a limited Gears of War fan. I do like (laughs) Gears of War, but only when I'm playing it with somebody else. Yeah, me too. I feel the same way. Mark, did you ever get into Halo or Gears of War? I'm not sure. Mm, Neither, no. I've I've played um, a little bit of Halo, but not enough to have an opinion about it, really. Yeah. Okay, good. So this time, <laughs> otherwise it would have been me talking to myself <laughs> there, so I'm glad that Terry was there to peel us out. <laughs> yeah. All right, have you guys checked out the concept trailer or the gameplay video for LucasArts' new big Star Wars game, Star Wars yeah. franchise, Star Wars 1313? I did check that out. I was kind of surprised. It's kind of like a, a Star Wars grows up and gets gritty. I didn't see anything about it. Well, I saw it, but I I didn't click on it. Well, apparently what it is, is it's a franchise that eschews Jedis and lightsabers and force powers. So it's not at all like Force Unleashed. Instead, it is more grounded, quote unquote, more realistic. You play a Boba Fett who has, it's funny how the press release put it. I think it's like, he uses human abilities. So we're talking about guns and booby traps and machinery, potentially, and it takes place very near the core of the planet Coruscant. So, so much of the movies focus on the surface of Coruscant where all of the... Wait, wait, wait. Do you play Boba Fett or do you just play a Mandalorian? That's something that they have not said. When asked about it, like, we aren't ready to say who the main characters are yet. So people oh, are having conspiracy oh. theories that it's a Boba Fett. Either relative or clone or literally is Boba Fett. But in the game, the, the number 1313 refers to the level in Coruscant. So Coruscant apparently has over 5,000 floors, and up at the top of those 5,000 numbers is where the main capital is and mm-hmm. all that stuff. Way, 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 way down below, near the core of the planet, apparently, almost 1,000 levels to the bottom is 1313, and so the game takes place there. What I thought was kind of interesting is that it, it looked like Uncharted, as Star Wars. <laughs> That's a scary <laughs> thought. Don't get me wrong, I love Could Uncharted, be. but it was it was cover-based shooting against robot droids and really big cinematic moments in a Star Wars wrapper, which, Tara, getting back to what we were just saying about Halo Metroid, I don't really have any complaints about because I love the Uncharted games. I love Star Wars, and as much as I love the idea of, like, I'm going to force push all these people around or mind trick Jedi mind trick people this looks really cool too well yeah Star Wars isn't all about Jedi's and Sith there are loads of other cool things 
I, I actually the the biggest appeal to me for uh, the MMO was that I could play a chess. Cause you know Jedi and Sith, they're okay, whatever. But I fucking wanted to play a chess Imperial agent, and that was awesome. <laughs> and I that played a cool. chess. I played a chess Imperial agent. That was my highest character when I stopped playing, and it was just awesome. I'd love to get that in a game, a console game. And Mark, you've really been into the Force Unleashed games, and when you played the Old Republic, you played a juggernaut type Sith dude, as I recall. Yeah. Would you be interested in a Star Wars game that wasn't about using the Force and Jedi or Sith powers? Oh, yeah, because I think the next to the Jedi and the Sith, I think the bounty hunter is like the coolest character. So I think it'd be pretty cool. Not to mention, I think Coruscant is, yeah. is a really ripe area that's full of potential. I think in some kind of promo video, somebody, one of the LucasArts dudes or game designers is like, we've never gone down here before. And I'm like, well, I'm... Almost positive you've gone down there a million times via comic books, <laughs> via all the spinoff novels, also via the Clone Wars animated series. But that said, I'm still excited to see a game that goes down there. I think it's going to be really – it could be really cool. Star Wars games, just like Star Trek games, it can go either way. But we'll see where that lands. Yeah. Kind of interesting. Some stuff from Ubisoft. There were – a lot of great games. I think Ubisoft had the best press conference out of all the companies and the publishers, hands down. They, they always shine like a great star in the sky. <laughs> and uh, when, and even with even when a lot of the stuff they're showing is for games that we've known about and we've been getting promotional information and previews for months or even since last E3. I mean, the Far Cry Far Cry Three demo was shocking and made me want to play the game even more. And I thought that I'd already seen more than enough to get me excited about the game. But after seeing that, I'm like, wow, this looks even cooler. I still want to play it even more. And then there's Assassin's Creed three stuff. And it's just uh, really pretty impressive. Now, Mark, you got to see at least the Far Cry three demo. Did you have thoughts about that? It was just really not what I expected. It's, it yeah it was it looked great it looked it looked like it'd be a really a lot of fun and and it made me want to play it um and I haven't played any of the far cries beyond just seeing if they would work on my computer you know um <laughs> but uh but yeah yeah I don't know um looked really cool was surprised by kind of the nudity and stuff in the beginning and the kind of me gritty too, especially in a press conference that's being streamed yeah. around the world that kids can access it's just like whoa yeah. So yeah, that was kind of kind of unexpected, but it, yeah, it looks awesome. So I'd, I'd like to play it. What about you, Tyr? Um, I have not seen the Far Cry video actually. I don't really have that much of an interest. I mean, I have the first game for the Xbox, not the 360, the Xbox. Mm-hmm. And uh, but I didn't really get into it very much. It never really appealed to me. What's been so. interesting is each Far Cry game has been vastly different. They're not interconnected anyway. They're almost Final Fantasy-esque in that sense. And that the first game, it's kind of this island of Dr. Moreau. Mm-hmm. It starts out being just mercenaries, but then it turns into this twisted mutants, mad scientist stuff on a beautiful island. And then the second one, you're dealing with trying to not die from malaria the whole time, and you're in the wilds <laughs> of Africa and just doing 
far uh, doing Grand Theft Auto type open world missions. Uh, and the thing that stuck out most for me in Far Cry 2's promotion was, look, we can make really organic, lifelike flames that spread across <laughs> the savanna and shoot up trees. And look at this. Isn't it so cool? That's all that really stuck with me, and I can't believe my dad played through that game because it looked really frustrating. And then Far Cry 3 goes back to the Tropical Island setting, but has a really strong villain who's so impactful he's on the cover of the box, and a really strong story uh, that's a little bit that's vastly different from the first two games. So, But, I mean, that said, all the concept videos and the gameplay videos, it's like, wow, I don't normally play first-person games, but this looks really cool, too, so I'm intrigued by it. But the thing that was most exciting about Ubisoft's presentation was the Watch Dogs. Oh, man. That was so good. Yeah, that was conference. came from left field and was like, wow. It's kind of like a... Even though it's not set in the distant future, it was, it was kind of Philip K. Dick to me. Yeah. Yeah, near, it did future sci-fi stuff that's understandable but it's not real yet but you could see it happening yeah it was that's very good yeah it was so i I was actually talking to somebody earlier today who was a little bit skeptical about the game do you or do you have any do either of you have any concerns or do you think it's like i definitely want to try this no matter what I think it's going to be good. Or is is there any kind of way that you want it to be that would make it more satisfying? Well, there's not really that much out on it yet. Yeah, so it would be purely hypothetical conjecture at this point. From what I've seen, I want to play it. Yeah. It looks yeah, I, I'm, I'm intrigued by it. I'd like to know a lot more about it. But It, it was surprisingly violent. It started out so much like an adventure yeah. game to me. And then it was like really bloody, gory explosions, death everywhere, people that you could save, people that you could kill. Just like, whoa, this game seemed like it was doing everything. Yeah, if it, it, if it, it certainly <laughs> took it up a notch. I was just going to say that if it if it's a success, it will seriously <laughs> kind of raise the bar and uh, on on you know gameplay and immersion. Just all the background noises that were going on, like when he silenced everyone's cell phones, they were all like, oh, man, I can't hear anything on my phone anymore. You hear all these people <laughs> like going, this is bullshit. And, you know, then when they're when he's in the firefight, some bystander gets hit and you hear people, somebody crying, somebody saying, oh, my gosh, can you are you there? Are you there? Open your eyes. And, you know, just crazy amounts of ambient sound and um, yeah, all this detail, everything going visual, on. Visual, everything. It's like. It's too much to it's too much to process the first time through. Really, there's just so much stuff going on. It's pretty crazy. One thing we didn't see, but was heavily rumored and is potentially being shown in back rooms at E3, was a reboot, another reboot of the Prince of Persia series. Uh, yet another, huh? And that's complete speculation. There was just some random. Ca- there was a couple screens of concept art or maybe some screen grabs from a concept trailer. And Tara is a big Prince of Persia fan. And I was curious to hear what she thought about these rumors. And if you'd be interested in this, these images that you've seen potentially be being a Prince of Persia game or not. I would always like for there to be another Prince of Persia game. I am a huge fan of the franchise. And I, whereas I didn't, 
really like as much the last one, the the Jake Gyllenhaal forgotten whatever the hell that was. <laughs> forgotten. I didn't. I didn't like the story, and I didn't like the main prince, but I loved the gameplay. That's mm-hmm. what I like in a Prince of Persia game. I loved the gameplay. And uh, the Forgotten Sands, that's what it was called. But yeah, I, I I hope it would be. I would love to see the prince back. I really loved the 2008 cel-shaded one. Me oh too. Oh my God, that was amazing. It was great. <gasps> so beautiful. Such a Such a risky and dramatic way to evolve the series. I mean, it basically turned into this it became a painting for one thing visually, but then from a gameplay perspective, it came very much almost like a rhythm game without music, but you had to know the rhythm of the gameplay and the actions in order to successfully platform through the environments or to combat the monsters that appeared. Well, maybe you didn't have any music. <laughs> I see the strange music in my head. <laughs> nice. Actually, a lot of people hated it because you couldn't die. Yeah, people were angry about that. There weren't enough consequence. I really liked the whole, I don't know, I liked it. Not because it made it easier or whatever, but I just liked, I don't know. There was something about it. It seemed, it fit the game really well, why that happened. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I would, I really want this. I I want a new Prince game. I think it's time. Yeah, it's overdue. But uh, with Assassin's Creed coming out this year, I don't know if we could fit a prince and an Assassin's Creed in the same year. That's it a good ha- point. We it would have to Assassin's be next year. Yeah, yeah. What Assassin's Creed would have to take a break, as shocking as that is to consider, since we've been getting games for like the three, last three or four years straight. I think if they put, well, they're going to have Assassin's Creed out at the end of the year. So yeah. if maybe they put a prince out in Q2 of next year. Oh, yeah, that, that might work. That would be good. Give it some breathing room. That would be nice. I would, yeah. Oh, man, now I'm thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> Over on the Nintendo side of the fence, there's a lot of people really eager to see final, final details for Wii U. The tablet has been named, the gamepad, the design changes to that hardware that were leaked ended up being true. The last piece of the puzzle was, what are all the great games that are going to convince people that this is something that they need to buy uh, around Thanksgiving? Because I'm sure that's when it's going to come out. And decidedly a, a mixed reaction there. Pikmin 3 looks really good. If you're into the if you're into the Pikmin franchise, I think the tablet works really great in that case because Pikmin is essentially a strategy game at heart. Being able to use the tablet to play it could make it even better, even though it worked just fine with the regular controller before. Also, there's Nintendo Land, which is the new version of Wii Sports or Wii Play, where it's a bunch of mini games. except this time it's not the bland me presentation. They all have a really fancy Nintendo wrapper around them. So one's a Donkey Kong minigame, and one's a Zelda minigame, and one's an F-Zero one. One's going to be a Metroid one. Could be pretty cool. It'll be even better if it's packed in with a game. There's also a game coming from Platinum, which are behind. they were behind... Vanquish and Bayonetta and Mad World and lots of other really out there crazy games. Are they but Lollipop Chainsaw Terror? I think they are. Uh, that yeah, game looks crazy. I think so. Oh, it looks so good. 
So you think of all those games, and you're just like, that is platinum. And then it turns out the game that they're making for Wii U is like this weird hybrid of The Last Guy and Line Attack Heroes and Pikmin, where you're running around in this kind of cartoony Japanese Power Rangers type environment, except it's cartoony, more cartoony than Power Rangers. And you have this parade of people following you, and they can morph into a giant fist that can punch the 50-foot-tall alien robot invaders that are attacking the Earth. <laughs> it looks really weird, but I think it looks pretty cool. That's potentially a really good... That's potentially a, a game that I'd have to play if I got a Wii U. Also, Mario Brothers U looks cool. It looks. It reminds me a lot of Mario World from many years ago. And then Zombie U was, I felt, the biggest surprise. What did you think of Zombie U, Ter? Did you see it? Uh, I saw some screens for it. I haven't seen anything live. I don't know if there's anything live to see. But uh, I did see some screens, and it looked bizarre. It looked nice, but I'm not really quite sure what what is going on. Let me see if I can explain the game concept concisely and see what you guys think. So Zombie, spelled without an E, so Z-O-M-B-I, was the very first game that Ubisoft made many, 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 many years ago, black and white, kind of maniac mansion type adventure game where you have four people going through a mall. It's very inspired by Dawn of the Dead. They can die. They'll, they'll turn into zombies and end up staying in whatever store you left them in. Uh, Zombie U takes place in London, and there's overturned double-decker buses and zombie Queen's guards and all this other stuff. Uh, but the game, if you die, you die. And you start as a character, and it's really the motto of the game is how long can you survive? And sometimes in your one playthrough, it may only last three or four minutes. You may only see two or three zombies, but they kick your ass and they kill you. And then you turn into a zombie and then boom, you're a different character in the town. And if you want to get the items that your previous character had, you have to go and track them down world of Warcraft style and find that character who's now a zombie. And then there's also a multiplayer mode that somehow pulls in these different things, uh, the this this interesting gameplay concept where some people could be on remote, some people could be on the tablet. But what's interesting is the tablet's used in all sorts of different ways. It's used as a sniping tool. So you hold the tablet in front of you in between your head and the television screen, and that gives you a snipe view, and you can snipe zombies' heads off. You can use it as a scanner, as a motion scanner. So if you see a zombie run across the room, because, yes, these zombies do run, you can see if they're hiding behind a wall or if they're out to get you. You can also use it to hack doors. But the thing is, is that they're coming at you. You also use it to manage your inventory. It's kind of Resident Evil style where there's a whole grid. You have to sort through multiple screens of stuff. And the zombies are coming at you. And that's the whole stress of it is that some stuff you have to do exclusively on the tablet or you have to hold the tablet between yourself and the actual television screen. And that gives you a chance for the zombies to come up and get you and then kill you. So it gets really frenetic, true survival horror. Wow. Yeah, I'll say. Uh, sounds interesting, for sure. I do love zombies. <laughs> I in, do that, in that way that I like to kill them. <laughs> <laughs> the thing I like most about zombies 
Sure. <laughs> I say die. <laughs> <laughs> so it it has potential. The the thing for me, being a, a big Nintendo fan, is I'm still not entirely sold on Wii U. We don't know what the price is going to be, and there are games that I'm definitely interested in, but there are no system sellers. One other aspect of the system that I think is really cool is Nintendo has basically established a gameplay concept that is a lot like Demon Souls, Demon Souls or Dark Souls, where you could be playing through a single-player game that your friend played through last weekend, and they may have died a whole bunch in a certain spot, or they may have gotten to another level, and they can choose to leave a message there. And once you get to that part of the level, when you're playing a week later, once you if you die a whole bunch of times at the same place, you'll see some notes from your friends that have yeah. played So it allows people to give you context-sensitive encouragement, tips, reactions, thoughts, regardless of when you're actually playing or if you're playing at the same time. And it's kind of a really cool concept, and it's native to the system, so potentially all sorts of games could use it, even those that don't focus on online multiplayer. That can make it pretty cool. Still, yeah. Not a system seller, but still a really neat concept. Right. You're skeptical, Tier. I I really... (laughs) But you're, like, against the Wii U, like, from start to finish. You have been the whole time. Yeah, and what the biggest problem with the Wii U is, well, I hate everything about it, but I'm fearful of the game, not the any of the games that I've heard are coming out, but the games that might come out exclusively for it. That's the problem. What, Exclusive, like Zelda? Zelda games, uh, I don't know, maybe some Tales games. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, you're worried about games and franchises that you really love coming on a system... Coming out yeah. that you want to avoid at all costs. That's eventually why I ended up buying the Wii. Because, you know, there were just some games that I, I had to play. Uh, Tales of Symphonia, Dawn of the New World, and Crystal Chrono, uh, Crystal Bearers are the two that finally pushed me over the edge to get the Wii. Because I really didn't like... Want, well, I didn't want to like it. I still don't really like it. <laughs> <laughs> but there are some games but, that you like, kind of like Xenoblade. I will say that Resident Evil 4 on the Wii is perfection. Mm-hmm. I just think that the Wiimote is made for FPSs. It does work I think really well for that. It is just the best control for an FPS game. You move it where you want to shoot. This mm-hmm. is a gun. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, but Resident Evil 4, Dark Side Chronicles was another. But, you know, things like that, exclusives, that will only be on the Wii U. And it terrifies me because I hate the Wii U, and I don't want to get one. (laughs) I'm going to get one because I know that fucking Bamco is going to come out with goddamn Tails game, and I'm going to want it, and it's only going to be on the Wii U. That's hilarious. Curses! (laughs) Foiled again. It's funny you say that because that's one of the reasons why I ended up getting a PS3 for a while, I'm like, maybe I'll just set out the PS3 for the entire console generation because, after all, Final Fantasy XIII was the only game I was going to buy a PS3 for, and then it became a multi-system port, came to 360, yeah. I'm like, all right, there's nothing. But inevitably, there were just so many games that were exclusive to PS3 that it's like, all right, it's going to be worth my money. The system has price dropped several times. It's not going to have any bugs. And I've been really happy with it. They're, all the games that I've played that are exclusives, I'm glad that I've gotten a chance to play them. Mm-hmm. And that takes us to the last but not least section of our E3 discussion, which is what Sony had to show 
not really much on Vita aside from announcing that the PlayStation All-Star Battle Royale, whatever, is going to be available on both Vita and PS3. And you can even play, I think, across systems, which is kind of a cool concept. And that there's going to be an exclusive Assassin's Creed game, I think set in the same time frame as Assassin's Creed 3, except it's set in New Orleans. Oh, yeah, it's going to be a female assassin. Yeah, that's pretty darn cool. Yeah, I heard about that. You see, that's another fucking... I'm going to have to get a goddamn Vita. (laughs) (laughs) I was putting it off because it's still really expensive. But, you know, then all of a sudden Persona 4 the Golden, and now this female Assassin's Creed. It's like the world is against me. Plotting (laughs) against me, making me play all these games. I can't help it. Marketers. I have a (laughs) very serious problem. (laughs) (laughs) The other big game and some of and some publications' favorite game of show that was a centerpiece for Sony was, of course, Naughty Dog's latest game, Last of Us. Oh, yeah. I, that looks really, I don't know. I'm confused by it also. What are your impressions of it, Tyr, after the latest gameplay demos that we've gotten to see? Uh, it looks bizarre. I'd li- I I I think that I do want to play it. I like the way I don't know. It seems very realistic but also very surreal. Kind of like uh what did I compare it to earlier? Like that last uh Resident Evil film and something else. Oh and the and the uh The Walking Dead. Yeah. Oh yeah. It had that feel to it when they were walking around and encountering different things in the world. I don't know. I think I'm going to have to see more. I'm definitely intrigued by it. Just the concept of not only having to deal with people who have been turned into monsters via some disgusting mutating fungus. So not zombies, but definitely not humans on top of, other people who are just trying to survive and they've become ruthless and vicious and they're killing each other over supplies and you're in a cityscape that's overgrown with plants, much like in I Am Legend. It's just like a really great combination of a lot of things. Also also like Enslaved. No surprise. It also had a very director of Enslaved there. It also had a very Parasite E feel to it. Oh yeah. I can see that. So but when I heard about the demo which unfortunately I haven't had a chance to see yet. It sounded like this is Uncharted. It's cover-based shooting (laughs) (laughs) with somebody else there with you, just like with Uncharted 2 and 3 and and 1 at times. Again, getting back to what we said at the very beginning, Tara, is it more of the same? I don't necessarily mind if it's really good. I like like cover-based shooting. My, My elder sister only started Mass Effect, the first one, Mm-hmm. Uh, last week for the very first time. Oh, wow. And it's the first one, so, you know, everything was, like, bizarre and weird, and they fixed everything eventually, <laughs> but she said that she fell in love with the combat. I love the combat in that game. Yeah, I did, too. And she was like, uh, everybody, she always hears people complaining about cover-based shooting, blah, 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 and she goes, but this is the best kind of combat. And I agree, I love cover-based shooting. I mean, there's nothing fucking wrong with it. No. Somebody wants to run out and get pelted with bullets and not have anywhere to <laughs> to uh not have any way to mitigate that damage, you know. Not everybody is a tank. Yeah, it's unrealistic, really. It is. So yeah, kudos 
that we're going to watch watch and see how it develops. There are definitely other games that were announced. We're, we're, we apologize if we didn't touch them. And we're not forgetting about Tomb Raider. That's going to come up a little bit later, but that wraps up our introgeddon, our very, very lengthy introgeddon. Thank you for sticking through with us on that. Up next, listener feedback. This episode of Channel Massive is sponsored by UGT Servers. When you order Ventrilo hosting from UGT, you get all of the powerful administration features hardcore gamers want and the ease of use that newbie gamers need. With 24-hour tech support, 13 locations worldwide, and a 15-day money-back guarantee, you'd be crazy not to check them out. Head to UGT-Servers.com for all of your Ventrilo hosting needs. Welcome to our listener feedback section. Ironically, we have some feedback from Ter, who's also on the show with us tonight. <laughs> now, we could have her read her own. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of an interesting idea, too. I hadn't thought about that. Um, because when I read it, I always hear her voice, and you know, anyway... Um, or I could try to paraphrase it poorly, or I could try to read it with a British accent. Exactly. <laughs> oh, God. Um, but I think I've done that before really badly. So um, I think I'll just try and paraphrase it a little bit and hopefully not leave out anything really valuable. Um, so, which, you know, it, it's tough because it's, it's good, good, good email. But she writes in first saying, I didn't send email in last week because the only thing there is is Diablo 3. I did listen to it while playing and was going to write a letter about it, but Diablo 3. Sorry I couldn't be on 200. I was recording on Wednesday and had a prior podcast commitment that night. So she, you know, apparently, you know, she has her priorities and we weren't <laughs> we weren't one of them. Not but, even the uh, 200th episode. Yeah, you know. <laughs> We had her. We have her tonight, so we should just be thankful for that. <laughs> <laughs> this is classic, Mark. <laughs> she continues to blather on about else, and then says, "It was a great podcast, though." But it's sad that you treated Eric with such neglect and sorrow. And then she says some other drivel, and then she gets into. Uh, I need to get back to it soon, so I will say a few thing, uh, things. Too Human was shite, spelled S-H-I-T-E. The Wii U is fucking retarded, and I hope it fails so Nintendo can get back on the fucking ball and make another GameCube or N64. And Diablo 3 is, Diablo 3 is the only thing I'm really playing right now. I had to resub to WoW because my brother wanted some lame scroll of resurrection mount. So I have logged in there a few times to see how that's going, but Diablo 3... Diablo 3, Diablo 3, Diablo 3, Diablo 3. And then she's kind of got the uh, emote emotion thing that says shambles back to Diablo 3. And then she had like a postscript to Noah, I think, that says, how dare you say Chris Eccleson sucked. Fuck you. He was awesome. His story was amazing. He was broken. Born in the time warm. Amazing. So, Noah, do you have a response? 
Well, see, the way that I was going to read this was <laughs> actual narration to it. Oh, the correct so way. There's a scene, like the moon is shining over England, <laughs> and there's soul light on in the building that Tara lives in, and we slowly zoom into the window, and she's just angry, and she's just seething, staring at her computer monitor, and just starts <laughs> angrily typing really, really hard on the keyboard, so loud. I can imagine some keys popping off <laughs> during this moment. And she's like, how dare you say Chris Eccleston sucked? And she almost like runs out of breath <laughs> just typing that because she's putting so much rage and energy into it. And then she screams as she types it, fuck you! <laughs> and she actually like, copies paste it a million times, but then she realizes that the point will be lost if she says a hundred times. So she deletes it back to just once. <laughs> just once. <laughs> a tear starts to go down her face as she types, he was awesome! And caps. And then she starts hyperventilating and she stands up and she's pacing back and forth and she's saying, Time Lords, Time War, Born the Time War, Born... She's like, how do I say it? How do I say it? Diablo 3, you have Time War... And then she goes back and she's his story was amazing. He was broken. Born in the time war. Amazing. Just like that. I'm and she like slams her keyboard again. on the desk. And then she hits send. <laughs> the, the slamming of the keyboard just somehow managed to hit the enter key or the control enter sequence. And then just I like with like no, no transition or whatever, she's just playing Diablo 3 again. Like right. Like with a cat on her lap or something. I, I think that makes sense. Yeah. I, I I should have tried to set it like that as you did. Sorry about that. That was oh, pretty good. Hey, Mark, we we both were able to offer our interpretations. And yeah. Can, which one did you like better? I'm never writing feedback to the show again. <laughs> Neither of you got me right. <laughs> Well, how about you read it the way that you would have typed it? Uh, no. Professional, after all. You're a professional actress. Just read, yeah, just read your postscript. <laughs> uh, it's it's very boring. Okay. Is, how dare you say Chris Eccleston sucked? Fuck you. He was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> He was awesome. His story was amazing. He was broken. Born in the Time War. Amazing. Right. That that sums up her her take her, hey, her the differences of opinion. She sobbing to herself silently. Yeah, crying, crying herself to sleep, <laughs> crying herself to loot. Yeah. Must play. Crying. Out. Crying in my coffee while I'm I'm clicking on my loot button. That's right. Any one star review after one star review <laughs> for Tama Massive. Every single one. One star. Slowly spelling out F U <laughs> across each review. <laughs> oh look at all this other feedback that was sent in. <laughs> oh my gosh, our our review average is down to one star. Um, <laughs> joking aside, thank you for sharing your very valid opinion and your awesome feedback. We do appreciate it. And I gave you a warning there was going to be a dramatic reading, so I just wanted to make sure that I followed through on that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we appreciate it. But and, and I and I definitely 
I think that it's good you're a champion for Chris Eccleston because I'm sure there are not a lot of them. (laughs) (laughs) What is it like? Is it is it over the over you are in the homeland of Doctor Who? Is there a massive Chris Eccleston fan base out there? Um there is a fan base. It exists. (laughs) It's not massive, I don't think. But there have been books written in the Doctor Who universe for Chris Eccleston's Doctor. He, it's a good Doctor. He's very broken. He's very like different said, from a lot of the other Doctors, too. Well, it's because mm-hmm. he was he regenerated during the Time War. Mm-hmm. So he was uh, broken, insane, you know, forged in blood and battle right there. And uh, so he is manic. He is crazy. And uh, that's just the way his doctor was. What do you think of him compared to the other doctors after him? Uh, well, I think that David Tennant was really spectacular. He he really brought back Doctor Who. And Matt Smith is just an incredible actor as well. I like them all. Peter Davison is still my favorite. Fifth Doctor for life, motherfucker. <laughs> what up? <laughs> Okay, Doctor Who tangent finished. I'm sorry to take us down that path, Mark. I know you're eager to continue reading. Yes. Hilgi writes in, Hi guys, what the fuck is wrong with people? Have you seen the Wii U Pro Controller? Just like the tablet controller, the right stick is above the buttons. That's not fucking right. Why are people okay with this? For almost 20 years, Sony and Nintendo have been making controllers with the stick below the buttons. It's been over 10 years for Microsoft. Why is it a good idea to do the opposite now? Don't tell me I'm making a big deal out of nothing. You're making a big deal out of nothing. (laughs) I really hate Nintendo sometimes. All right, sorry. Just needed to get that out of my system. What do you guys think? You're making a big deal out of nothing. No, just kidding. I don't know. I said it before. They've always got to fuck something up. That's how Nintendo operates. <laughs> They're like, we have achieved something positive here. Let's let's, let's just take uh, it down a notch. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. too much power for the consumers. We need to we need to break something. It's like they want all of their consumers to reluctantly have to play their system. They don't want them to be happy. They we just want, want them to buy their stuff. We only want half-hearted gameplay, no whole-hearted gameplay. Well, have you put seen out... the controller, Mark? Have I what? Who? Have you seen this controller he's talking about? Oh. Yes, I have. <laughs> I don't understand it. I, I don't, don't I think it's dumb. I... And it, it makes it the system even further incompatible. It, the Wii, the original Wii Pro controller was just fine, and yes, it doesn't have the clickable thumbsticks, which I think is the main reason why this is here. But why do something stupid that is obviously not ergonomically standard or friendly? I don't know. I I can't. You just can't explain. You can't explain these guys. Really, you can't. It's yeah. I oh, I like how you sized it. It was so giant before. I thought, oh, wow. I know. That must be the actual life-size. <laughs> you could reach out and grab it. <laughs> I was trying to. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, it's – um, yeah, I, I agree, Hilgi. It, 
I, I don't think you're I don't think you're uh, overstating it. It is kind of like why would you do this? Um, I don't know. Common sense be damned. Yeah. Well, one way or another, they will succeed in selling them, but I just don't think to the extent. I mean, they've really managed to put themselves in a solid third, uh, and uh, maybe there maybe someone else will emerge to knock them into fourth place. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> There's always hope. Um, moving on because of the awkward silence that that managed to draw from both of you. Um, <laughs> hello, <laughs> hello from the deserts of Fort Irwin, California. Holy shit sticks, man. I'm all over this new game by CG Project Red. I played Cyberpunk 2020 a ton while I was in high school. I still have the rule books in my garage. Noah's right when he said the whole genre has been on the back burner. There's something that tickles my taint about playing in cyberware in near future where corporations become more powerful than the government. I wondered which one of you would chuckle. Um, hopefully I can reser- re- resurrect my soulless ginger, Devin Grails, a cop in the near future doing his part to clean up the mean streets of Night City. Get it in, Scott, which I tried to say with the snap into a Slim Jim kind of <laughs> way of speaking. And listeners, this is military Scott, not Hilgi Scott or Southern Scott. Right. And so he's referring to <laughs> cyberpunk game that we talked about on, was it 201, I think? Yeah, last? it was just last week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And saying, holy, because we were like, well, which one was the first cyberpunk game? And that was that was actually it. So Not Shadowrun. Not Shadowrun. That came out like a year later. Mm-hmm. Although it was probably better. I don't know. I'm Shadowrun was still the best. <laughs> But um, yeah, it's kind of cool to see like these old school RPGs coming back. It's kind of like remember when I um was so excited about um, Champions and how that lasted for a whole two weeks. It lasted longer than that, I think. Oh yeah, two and a half. And I like went and rebuilt my my. I found my old somewhere. I found this box with my old like character sheets from the RPG, and I created two of them in the game and then was very much let down by the gameplay and everything else. So, but anyway, Scott, maybe you can be disappointed as profoundly as I was. <laughs> <laughs> Eric is the only true believer in champions. He is a true believer. He still but... plays that game. I know. I know. Wow. That's... Eric has longevity and stamina that, the rest of us old folks don't have. The oh. immortals can only dream of. That's right. Yes. And good for him. Well, thanks for writing in, everybody. Um, you know, I, we thank you, Tara, especially for writing in. Um, <laughs> you're here. For writing or teasing. Yeah, and putting up with our crap. We appreciate it. And I hope everyone else uh, out there will feel compelled to write in as well to uh, mail. M A I L. At channelmassive.com, we won't spell the last part. And uh, and you know you could you could you could email us. You can re- put something in audio format and send it in. You can give um, <laughs> us really great reviews on iTunes. You can find us on Facebook. Although we're going to kill the group part of our Facebook presence soon, so it's just a nice page. Um, and uh, I think that's pretty much. Oh, check us out with the the Twitter if you get all Twitter pinnated. And uh, yeah, we'd like to hear from you. When you said that, Mark, though, what I thought of 
was Terry recording herself. Fuck you! And emailing yeah. email in the audio. You <laughs> <laughs> want audio feedback? Here it is. <laughs> Turn it into some kind of a dubstep remix. And, uh, Fuck you! She's an accomplished musician. She could do it. She, she could actually do it, yeah. Could you do that I'm for not, No. <laughs> <laughs> that's not gonna happen <laughs> you put it so succinctly yeah. I still if think I, there's a chance <laughs> if I sense anybody in the world creating such a thing I will immediately teleport to them and rehearsal <laughs> out through their jugular <laughs> no. I guess now, are you talking about the dub step part or something else uh sure Anything's better as a dubstep version. I've pretty much figured that out. I was curious the other day if, like, is there a Christmas album in dubstep format? And you know what there is. <laughs> Could you not? Dubstep Christmas. Can you imagine that? Like, it's whole... you got, like, <laughs> you got the wreath on the door and the fire in the fireplace. The You know, you've got all your Christmas stuff out or Hanukkah or whatever, and you're just, you know, you're ready to enjoy the holidays, and then you're like, well, let's put on some music. <laughs> All of a sudden, it's Skrillex doing Jingle Bells over here. Yeah, <laughs> Dead House doing Little Drummer Boy, you know. <laughs> it's great. I think that'll immediately cause the next generation to go insane, but. Yeah, hope for. That was actually something that was really missing in E3 this year. I kept waiting to hear dubstep somewhere, but yeah. after hardly embracing it during the last six months, all the developers are like, ooh, better not do that this time. I've kind of gotten old. Real quick. Yeah. All well, right, up next. <laughs> yes. Wait. Noah, I'm glad I, glad I cut you off at the pass with that. <laughs> Mark, where are we going next? Tell us. We will be talking about what we've been playing, hopefully in a succinct manner. And then... <laughs> <laughs> what did you say, Mark? <laughs> I was just saying, this intro has taken like two hours of my life that I'll never get back. <laughs> we'll move on to general geekery, and finally we will whittle down our roundtable discussion topics to something also very small. <laughs> diminutive <if you> will. <laughs> and we'll wrap it up I think this is the what we're playing section of our podcast which I like to describe as awkwardly as possible <laughs> <usually>. <laughs> today we will pull our <laughs> that was a bad visual image. <laughs> I was like, well, we're going to poll our co-hosts. What? Um, no, we're going <laughs> to... We will... We will <laughs> <laughs> All control. Complete derailment achieved. Wow. Yeah. You know... Yeah. I just I do a podcast without any rum and coke, and this is what happens to me. I think I think you better run it, Noah. I don't think I I've lost my composure. Oh, it's it's okay. I'm not starting over. This is the point of no return. Oh, damn. Please, All right. With well, smooth stylings. <laughs> in that case, what have you been playing, Noah? Well, thank you for asking, Mark. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I finished Mass Effect Two. Oh, nice. Which I was really excited about. I. Got to, I had to, 
I think I texted you about it, Ter. I'm not sure. You did. I was pretty excited about it. And everybody survived, and it was a really cool ending. And even though that would be the standard good happy ending that a lot of RPGs have, knowing that it could have gone really, really bad and that the, the possibility is for that makes it feel even more rewarding and helped justify all the extra time I spent in this game as compared to Mass Effect 1. I could have played Mass Effect 1 for even longer than I did, but I played it just long enough to get a, a very satisfying ending and the people that died, I wanted to die. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, where, and whereas Mass Effect 2, I definitely could have let some people die, but I'm like, no. And I even went back to save some people who I didn't expect to die. I, it was... I don't want to ruin anything, but I made sure that everybody lived. <laughs> and it felt really rewarding. In the end game sequence, there were so many cool goosebump moments. There's just so much build up to the, the ending area, and it's really done well. Although my 360 at times was like, wait, has he fulfilled the criteria for this item? Chuck, chuck, chuck. Okay, play this cinema. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. And it, it wasn't it, – it was, it was very subtle, but – to me, it was noticeable that there was just a bit of a hiccup here and there during this really awesome cinematic sequence where it's like, wait, why is it just like chug there? And I'm like, oh, because somebody could potentially die here and it's making sure whether or not they need to die. (laughs) 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 I said it was so worth it. I loved going through all the loyalty missions, recruiting everybody that I could, upgrading everything. It was really fun. And now I'm on the precipice of Mass Effect 3 and Mass Effect 2, I couldn't wait to start. I had somewhere to go, and I started it up anyways, and I was like 20 minutes late to the thing that I had to go to. Mass Effect 3, I haven't jumped right into. I, I'm not. I, I'm a little nervous, and I think it's because all the crap that's been said about it, but I'm going to be diving headlong into it soon enough, I'm sure. It is so good. Oh, I can't wait. Now, did you play it, Tara, on 360? Yes. Cool. I have all three on the 360. So I like cool. to keep my games on... My my game collections on one console. I agree with you on that. Evan was lamenting. He's like, it really sucks that you have it on 360 because we can't play Mass Effect 3 multiplayer because I'm on PS3. I'm like, well, you're the one who had to get a PS3. <laughs> no, I think it's more that I would have played it on the PS3. I would have gotten them all three, except they're not putting one out on the PS3. Yeah, because it's exclusive to Microsoft and PC. Yeah, so I w- I would have gotten them for the PS3, but I already had the first one on 360. I have the first two on the PC, which are shit. <laughs> I don't know. They could two completely. They're completely different games from the PC to the 360. Duh. <laughs> It's a long, a long, long conversation that I don't want to have right now. (laughs) Mark appreciates your decision. (laughs) I do. It's true. That is the truth. So, have you? Did you play anything else, Noah? Or was that pretty much it? Or that's the only time I had. I just wanted to add in that you definitely should play the Mass Effect games, Mark. (laughs) I know. I do. I do want to. Really like them a lot. Yeah, I think they'll be fun. I'm looking forward to it actually because I really like Dragon Age. You know, those were great. So yeah, this is definitely a game. It's well done. Got that. And you know, that re-release of Baldur's Gates due out pretty soon, which I'm really wanting to try as well. Because I never finished it because I had a glitch and I, um, my save game got corrupted or some crap. 
And so oh, no. I never got to finish it. And so, uh, you know, it's kind of hard to want to go back and do it unless there's an, some incentive like a re-release with some, you know, new stuff. So, yeah. Anyway, anything else, Noah, or shall we move on? That's all I got. Tara, what have you been playing? Diablo 3. Diablo 3. Now, um, <laughs> have you heard about this whole um, Black Rock Ledger thing, um, the Lost-related items and everything? Or are you yeah, following that I, at all? Uh, I only know about it because I found page 16. Oh, you found uh, that ship somewhere. Else. Yeah, I found oh, the cool. Black Rock. I found the ship. It's in the – I found it. Where was it? It's in the Oasis. Yeah, yeah. Pretty sure. Oh. Yeah, I and guess there's – go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I just saw this guy – well, there were there were th- uh, three rares nearby, so, of course, I was kiting them around because my man is a demon hunter. Oh, so yeah. I was kiting them around, and I ran into the ship and killed them and saw this guy was mining, and there was a mini event that happened, and things attacked him, and he died. Uh, but the page was there. And I read it, and I saw that I couldn't sell it. And I had it for a little while, and I was like, well, okay, what the fuck is this shit? So I went onto the forums, and I looked it up, and there are these huge, like, conspiracy threads on this. Oh, my gosh, like, yeah. several hundreds of posts long, dozens and dozens of pages long, just yeah, what there's... it could be. Yeah, there's, like, a bunch of different ones, and there's, like, a 1.01 and a 2.01, and... These guys are like, I can't believe no blues are commenting on this. I'm like, I think all the blues are laughing their asses off right now is what they're doing. They're too busy. Well, they can't even type. Yeah. The thing with the pages, though, is of the ones that everybody has seen, all the pages are numbered after the numbers from Lost. Yeah. You know, Lost, Lost had that main number sequence. like It's the 42. same numbers. Yeah. So everybody is saying, like, if you get all of the pages and you have to talk to different people in sequence and follow the pages, that it opens a secret level. And there's this island that's in, like, this the files of Diablo 3 that you can't get to in the game, but it's still there in the map. I don't know. It's weird. It is really weird. I'm just making my way through Nightmare, you know, and it's it's going pretty well. I'm not overly concerned with strange Diablo 3 conspiracies related to that. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's cool. cool. to find. Yeah, it was, it's cool that it's there, you know, but I'll, I'll work on that. I'll burn that bridge when I get to it, when I'm done with Inferno. Yeah, I, I think it's pretty – between that and then the Whimsy Shire um, level, which is like My Little Pony Apocalypse – yeah, um, it's just really cool what they've done. And some say there's still a cow level that um, there's assets in the game that, but I've only heard that as total speculation. So I don't know. There's got to be a cow level somewhere. It's Diablo. So I'm on the My Little Pony um, website trying to read what they think of this Whimsyshire yeah. level, and it seems to pretty much be horror. They're killing the ponies. <laughs> oh, that's great! I've I've not been to Whimsy Shire yet. And, and so they're like, here's a few of the names of the elite, with air quotes, enemies that can pop up: Rainbow Western, Midnight Sparkle, Nightmarity, <laughs> Nightmare's Magic. They are not amused at all. They are not. These people are uh, not this, happy. This is the best thing ever. Yeah, it's great. So that's on the Equestria. 
Daily.com if you can't get enough My Little Pony. That's where you would go. Uh, I know, I know you guys are probably have that bookmarked already, so I didn't probably need of to give course. it to you. But, um, yeah. It w- for the benefit of the people listening, though. Right. As though, yes, exactly. We'll just go ahead and pretend <laughs> they don't all have that as well. So, anyway, that's cool. Well, are yeah, you... Uh, what level? What what level are you up to in your? Where are you in Nightmare right now? Um, I am. I'm in a haze of not playing it. I'm suffering withdrawals now. My demon hunter, uh, he's just got level forty one. I am just past the oasis, I believe. Oh, cool. Yeah, no, I'm I'm on my way to resurrect. Cool. I have all oh, the bits. That's I am, where I am. Almost the exact same place as you. That's funny. Nice. Yeah. Also, cool's name. Awesome. <laughs> Zoltan Cool. How oh, do you get... it is a cool that name. That name is so fucking awesome. So I like how he just. I like how he laughs all evilly every time he leaves. It's awesome. Yeah, it's He's great. A cool, a cool character. I, I was kind of. I was really kind of into him. Um, anything else worth discussing, or shall we? Uh, not really. Some wow here and there, just because you know I have the game time, so I Let's might as well. of resurrection thing for your brother. Well, apparently you get this like spectral mount if yep. if someone with a scroll subs for a month or whatever. So my brother really wanted another one for his like fifth alt, so I was like, what? What the fuck ever? I got a free level eighty character out of it. Okay, that's cool. Wow. I finally. I've my biggest thing in WoW was I fucking love the rogues, and I've made dozens of rogues. I shit you not, I've probably made thirty rogues in the <laughs> eight years that I've been playing WoW, and I've never gotten a fucking rogue above like mid thirties. Oh, so now you're it, in the, it in the just really good hit, part. It hits a wall. Yeah. I don't know if you ever tried to make a rogue. I had a if, I had a high level rogue. It did hit a wall. Yeah, it just hits a fucking wall, and I could never get over it. So got myself a level 80 rogue now, and going through the process of learning how to play a rogue that is suddenly level 80. Oh, God. It's got to be hard. It's it's puzzling. Yeah. But it's nice. It's nice to have that, the character that I've really always wanted to level up, and to not be at that game-stopping brick wall. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So you're going to go uh, level up to 85 with the rogue? Uh, I'm on it every now and then. I'm taking him through the uh, the hygel quests because oh, the cool. gear that they give you, they uh-huh. give you like gear comparative to the level. It's uh, enough that I'll be able to take him to do all the quests and whatnot, but can't quite do the dungeons of that level yet. Oh, got so, it. Or, yeah, so... Just some hydro quests, and then it'll be cool. But Diablo 3 is really my focus. Cool. That's a great yeah. game. Oh, it's well, so good. Well, here's what I've been playing, surprisingly. Diablo 3 and, of course, <laughs> Plague uh, Inc. on my iPhone when I have time. And that's that's been it. And, well, and Marvel Ultimate Alliance with my son a little bit every every night. And we're almost done with the first one, so that's kind of cool. So that's that's it for me. Nothing too exciting. No 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 total conquest like Noah finishing Mass Effect 2 or anything, but 
which mm-hmm. is a great accomplishment. Yeah. Thank you. I've actually and, played, I finished and, two RPGs in a row. Yeah. If you <laughs> do three in a row, the world will just break open. <laughs> crack like a giant egg. Well. I predict. <laughs> who? Oh, Noah, who did you romance with? Who did you do a romance with? I I was a little confused about that because my romance in the first game was with Liara. Mm-hmm. And... I didn't know if I had a romance with someone else in the second game, if that would screw up that romance storyline, especially if it carried over into the third game. And so I was frustrated because it's like, well, if I want to get an achievement, I have to break that. But I played the Lair of the Shadow Broker midway through the storyline versus way after finishing the game, as many people did when the game came out, because that DLC came out after months after the game came out. And the, you continue that romance with her, and in my experience, they make a promise that they're going to stay together, and I'm like, oh, I can't have a romance with somebody else. So what happened was <laughs> I used one of my save game files, and I did a romance with Tali. Aww. And then it's like, and I, and I wasn't going to save it, so I got the achievement, and then I went downstairs to talk to Jack. I'm like, I wonder if I can get Jack, too. And Jack's like, you're doing something with somebody else. <laughs> And it's like, and it said that I had to say that I was going to break it off with Tali in order to have sex with Jack. And I'm like, that feels bad. Even though I'm not going to save this, I can't do that. So then I just kind of <laughs> <laughs> conscience. Yes. You know what, though? If you have another romance in two, you can still keep a romance with Liara in three. Oh, okay. Well, that's good to because, know. Because uh, my first play... I was with Liara, and then in the second one, I was with Thane, and then in the third one, since well, I'm not gonna, I don't want to spoil it. Uh, events occur that make a a further relationship with Thane unfeasible, mm-hmm. and I was able to rekindle my romance with Liara. Oh, yeah. Maybe she's open-minded. <laughs> she, she is. We'll find out. <laughs> you guys seen this preview for Wreck-It Ralph yet? I'd seen a concept trailer, or not a concept trailer, but just a teaser trailer for it many months ago. And then I'm like, wow, that looks really cool. And then I kind of forgot about it. I think it was near the end of last year. And now the full trailers come out right in the middle of E3. Yeah. Yeah, I had heard nothing about it. So when I, somebody just sent me a, a link and I looked at it and I was like, oh, my gosh, that is hilarious. Uh, so it's kind of going to be a it's a it's a Disney show. Right. And it's um yeah, it's about a, a video game character who's a bad guy. He's a villain in the video game and he's tired of it. And he just decides one day to walk away. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so funny because, like, when it switch, it's got you know the typical eight bit looking kind of. He's a total like eight bit type character, and then when it shows him like in his real world, it's like three D, and he's like in this support group meeting, and it's got like some Street Fighter two guys like Zangief and um, oh um, Bison, and then all all kinds of characters are in there with them right i mean what's the guy from uh mario uh was it wario or bowser 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 yeah 
I've got all these all these villains, and they're like all in. In the best, the best one is the zombie that just has two hatchets in his hand. <laughs> in each, <laughs> he's got a hatchet in each hand, and they're just like, yeah, it's just no fun to be a villain, you know. They're like all sympathizing with them, and so it's an interesting concept of what happens, and it's really funny because I guess he, the p- video game he particularly walks away from is like in a pizza parlor that these kids always play and then the next day after he's walked away these kids are all going there and the villain isn't in the game and they're like what's happening (laughs) so i don't know i just thought it was a kind of a cool um trailer for a movie that's coming that's video game based it's supposed to be out uh november 2nd 2012 so i don't know i'm excited about it i think it'll be cool looks awesome yeah it's definitely on my list i have to see that movie looks really great there's so many movies in between now and then that during the summer that I, I really want to see. But this one, particularly for all the cool video game references that it looks like it has, that they were able to get Capcom and Nintendo and Namco to say, yeah, you can use our characters as cameos in your movie. That was really cool. It just adds, because the character in the movie, the main character is from a totally made up game, yeah. but it adds credibility and, and interest and nostalgia to it to have all these other 1980s video game icons in it as well even just as in a couple scenes it's pretty cool yeah and it looks really well done too i mean the uh looks looks cool so have you you've seen any of this terror is this all new to you of what have you have you seen the trailer no i haven't oh i've never even heard of it before yeah i just just found out so Something to look forward to. Definitely. Yeah. I'm continuing on my quest through Ready Player One. It's great. It's Will really you be ready? Will you be done in time for the book signing? I don't know. Isn't that next week? Yeah. What day is it? The 14th? Uh, it's Thursday. We're going to have to do something different for that. Uh-oh. <laughs> well, I'm not going to miss the podcast for that. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. I, I don't know. I might have to cram it. Which I might yeah. be able to do. It's not. I'm. I'm. I'm halfway through the book now, so it cool. is definitely feasible. And it it picks up so much too. Yeah, it's it's at a really cool part, and I'm interested to see where it goes. But it's getting to the point where I'm so far in the book, I don't want to talk too much about it, other yeah. than to say it continues to be entertaining. If for nothing else, the world and the overall quest that the main character's on is really fun to follow. Yeah, good fun read. The wraps up our general geekery. Now on to our roundtable topic. Well, don't expect me to lead into this section. <laughs> it is you. You picked oh. the topic. Oh, maybe it's you. All right. Well, I won't do it justice, but I will try. Um, so Penny Arcade has an interesting editorial about um, the new Tomb Raider game that's the demo is being kind of uh, shown at E3 or was shown, I guess. Um, and it's a pretty gritty take on Tomb Raider. It's like a, a, a young Laura Croft. It's supposed to kind of explain... I don't know, it got confusing as I read the article, because they're like, well, it's almost like a reboot, but kind of a parallel thing. But anyway, it's supposed to kind of show what happened to her to harden her into the utter and complete, you know, tomb raiding goddess that she becomes in the later franchise, um, 
or later, you know, later versions of the franchise, I guess. And um, it's some would say a little too gritty. It throws the threat of rape, assault, hostile environments, um, you know, lots of lots of big men trying to get to her, brutalize her, beat her. Um, it kind of throws that at at the the player, especially in this um, excuse me, in this demo, in a way that you're just like, good lord, uh, you know, maybe that's a little heavy heavy-handed. And so the article has um, a kind of a write-up about this. You can watch the trailer. And then you get some um, quotes from Ron uh, Rosenberg, the game's producer, um, kind of talking about how intentional this was and the suffering and the, the, the feeling of, you know, what they needed to do to kind of explain her character. Um, and that, you know, it was overcoming all these challenges that forged her into the the woman she became and that's what they needed to do. And so, I don't know, what do you, what do you both think about this? Do you, do you, do you think that it's kind of an annoying trend that um, whenever the protagonist is a female, she has to have previously overcome all kinds of crazy amounts of adversity um, to be taken seriously as a, as a, you know, a tough person Um, or, you know, do you think that, that's just kind of like standing standard, um, you know, canon for this type of game or what were your thoughts about it? I, I find it kind of strange personally, but it is awful. <laughs> it, yeah. for, for one thing, all of this stuff that it shows her going through, this would not have crafted her into the Laura Croft that we know and love. This would have made her seriously fucked up, bitter, lonely, depressed creature who did not want to go out and explore the world. Right, right. This It's just unrealistic. It's stupid. It's insulting to the game, to women, to the guys who are have to voice this. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's, it's repulsive. I probably won't play the game. What do you think, Noah? Are you like, hell yeah? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't watched the trailer that's oh. in question, but I've, I've done some preliminary reading for the purpose of this discussion. And I've said before on Channel Massive that this was one of my most anticipated games of 2012, and therefore I was disappointed to find out that it, among many other games, was delayed to 2013. It's not going to come out on March 5th of next year that's the official release date of the game and i while i haven't seen this i've read about the description and perhaps seeing it i'm sure that seeing it is different than just reading about it but to me i'm kind of okay with it this is uh it's definitely not something that's for everyone it's not necessarily the this means that this is can't that it's the right decision i mean there's a lot of people who complained in a in a the first comparison that comes to my mind metroid other m was a radically different take on the character of samus Aran, who in the previous metroid games generally doesn't speak at all and just comes off as pretty much a total badass heroine who doesn't let anything get in her way she's very stoic and she gets the job done and she just kicks butt and in Metroid Other M, she has a very elaborate and windy 
verbose internal yeah. monologue where she's second guessing things and she's thinking about her role model and she doesn't know what to do and she gets kind of whiny and she wants somebody else to make decisions for her and he has to give her permission to upgrade her suit or else she won't do it. And people are like, this is stupid. She's so subservient and it's sexist and all this other stuff. And this is not the Samus that we all have ever played or enjoyed playing or as. Wanted. And, or wanted, exactly. And I could definitely see some people who are fans of Tomb Raider saying this is not just like what I think the point that Tara just made, I think, is really valid. I could definitely see the extreme nature of what this version of Lara Croft goes through. And this is technically a reboot, if not a prequel. I'm not sure if it's even a prequel. I think it's more of a reboot than a prequel. Um, You could definitely see somebody coming out of this experience saying, I am never getting on a plane or a boat again. (laughs) Or maybe (laughs) I hate everybody in the world and I'm going to live by myself. Screw treasure, screw tombs, and all that other crap. I could also see somebody developing the other way. But I could also see them becoming sociopathic and being very unstable and, and, and unpredictable in terms of how they interact with people. Uh, but looking at it from a pulp fiction type of slant, this is, I think it's a very pulp fiction take on Tomb Raider. It's a bit exploitative and it's not necessarily meant to be like, oh, this is the war and peace of video games. It's something that's supposed to be controversial and and therefore exciting and get headlines. And I think that this was one of the stronger ways that Crystal Dynamics could have done this. I mean, they already did a fantastic job with the top-down Guardian of Light game that came out on XBLA last year. Such I loved that game. game. And that was enough, I think, in my mind, to make a lot of people reawaken the Tomb Raider and say, this is great. That this that going really extreme here wasn't necessary, but this particular genre of games, the whole action-adventure stuff, is getting so crazy and over the top. I think we're just going to see this type of envelope push more and more, regardless of whether the character's male or female. There's just going to be more and more graphic and gory stuff. I mean, Far Cry 3 is a perfect example. It's like, wow, all the stuff that they're throwing into here, it's a little over the top. And I feel that that's what these folks at Crystal Dynamics are doing with Tomb Raider. And I'm really excited to see it. I still want to play it. I may change my mind after seeing the trailer. I doubt it. It's a game and it may flop or it may do well, but I, I'm really interested to see how they handle it, if only to see the whole picture and see the whole vision and see how they address it. I mean, we're seeing stuff that was precisely selected to get a lot of press, to get a lot of attention during E3, to leave a lot of room open to interpretation. Well, if this is how this moment is, then the rest of the game must be worse or it must be all like this. We don't know that yet. And so uh, until we do see that, it's hard to pass judgment, but I'm still well, interested. Putting it on the, like, I guess the male equivalent would be Drake, right? To to Laura Croft? It would be yeah, Drake. definitely. Would they ever do this to him? Would they put him through the kind of stuff that they put Laura through? They wouldn't do that because he's a guy. And because he is a guy, he is automatically has the potential to be a badass. This kind of shit, they only fucking do to women. In video games. They, they did make it with them Jill in Resident Evil Five. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, they did they do it with all of them. And that is what I find most insulting. It would be really cool to see a game 
where that happens to a guy. I actually kind of feel that Far Cry 3 gets close to that. If you remember some of the con- the some of the trailers from last year where they're like, "Come on, shoot your best friend." Or how here we're going to shoot your best friend in front of you and guess what? We just stole we just took your girlfriend and we're going to sell her to the sex slave business and now we're going to tie you to a concrete rock and kick you off a cliff and let you drown amongst all the other people that we've killed down there. <laughs> uh that's in addition to everything else that just happened in this year's E3. It gets close, it's definitely not at the level that it sounds like this Tomb Raider is though. Like you're saying, yeah. terror. But it's definitely yeah. something that could be changed. I mean, what, if you were going to see Lara Croft be rebooted, if you had, if you were given a mandate to to reboot Lara Croft but still keep her in third-person action adventure, is this a path that you would consider, or would you consider something different, or would you s- just refuse to do it? I would refuse to do it. I'm tired of them redo- rebooting Tomb Raider and re-releasing old Tomb Raiders, and I'm just, <laughs> I'm yeah. sick of. I'm sick of Tomb Raider. It's fucking in turning general. into Kirby. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. <laughs> Tomb Raider, the rhythm game. I'm looking forward to that. Oh, <laughs> Tomb Raider <Yeah>. yarn. <laughs> I love yeah, it's just, epic yarn. <clears throat> uh, yeah, well, I, you're entitled to your own opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I I can't see with with other M I liked the gameplay I hated the story and yeah. how they they just destroyed Samus they destroyed her mm-hmm. I can't play the other games the same way anymore because in my head I hear her stupid whiny voice now <laughs> complaining I went, I was like having nostalgia trip and I was playing Metroid and went up against the mother brain and all I could do was hear about her whining how sad she felt about losing the baby. It was like <laughs> shut the fuck up! I'm playing a Metroid game to fucking kill shit to kill Ridley. I'm playing Metroid to kill Ridley at some point in the game. Whether it's cute baby Ridley or a huge mechanical Ridley. I do not want to hear Seamus's internal monologue about how all of her heroes let her down. <laughs> Jesus Christ. She's not even in the military. Why does she need his permission? What a douche. I, that's so stupid. <laughs> okay, that aside, Mark, what's your opinion on the whole Tomb Raider debate? Well, um, the footage, aside from the whole uh, objectification of the, the of Laura Croft and stuff, um, <laughs> The uh, you know it was like kind of a cool gritty thing where she's like running around and 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 I mean the engine looks cool everything looks like pretty immersive and and like you would be kind of going oh my gosh this is like an action adventure kind of thing but my problem I guess is the the kind of the the I don't know for lack of a better term like the literary device they're using to to explain how she transformed into her current self like Tara says I don't think it would create the strong confident Laura Croft that we see in you know like the subsequent um uh games but instead it would be this totally like broken freaked out little shell-shocked shell-shocked shell of 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 a girl and I say that because she's really young in it, which is the other disturbing part, right? It's like she's it's 
I don't care if it's a guy or a girl. I wouldn't want anyone like facing the same adversaries at that age. It's just not really, it's kind of, there's something really inappropriate just about that. Um, cause she looks like a teenager. And so I don't know. I, I think, you know, the, if they rely on this for every damn other, like every sequel to this, they, they make where it's going to have this like weird threat of rape and all this stuff, then it's absolutely the worst thing ever. If they've somehow managed to cull together all of the, the most um, controversial parts of you know the the sequences that they have to put this together to try and get press but actually it's spread out and it's almost appropriate in the way it's laid out that that's a little different but i kind of don't suspect that that's the case <laughs> um i kind of suspect that it's this is just what they've come up with they think it's a great idea and they haven't really thought about the fact that in some ways, they might be want, wanting this game to appeal to um, women who could get behind the protagonist, you know, the character. And instead, they're just thinking it'll, you know, maybe their target audience is a bunch of guys that'll be like, you know, fascinated by this this whole storyline. I, I don't, I don't, I don't find I find <laughs> the idea is kind of cool, but the implementation, the way they've done it, is not well done. Like. I don't think she has to suffer in the ways they're doing it. And I think like to Tara's point, I don't think that you have to always introduce a female character by first showing the breaking and reforging of that character. I think it's really stupid. You know, I mean, in, um, in kill, in kill bill, they didn't really have to do that. I mean, she had the cruel tutelage of Pai Mei, but there was no like total breaking of that character. She started out and you knew she was a badass, you know, was coming back mm-hmm. for vengeance. You don't have to do that. I don't I don't understand the whole uh the whole concept, I guess, but uh well, I'm so yeah, not a big fan. We'll see. I'll I'll uh, I'll, I'll I'll ask you know when it comes out to give us a review. Okay, I will do that. Yeah. Be interested to hear if it's way better or worse or but that other game, the one you're talking about, the uh, what is it, the Guardian of Light, or what, the one with the two, the, yeah, the, the duo thing, that was really awesome. I would, I wish yeah. they would have stuck with that as kind of their next. I'm surprised direction. they didn't. It did so well, and it was just pure mm-hmm. Tomb Raider action. Like to me. taking that and elaborating on it and making it like even bigger and better, you know, yeah, it would, it would have been incredible. Maybe four player co-op. I don't know. It, I don't know. Whatever. It was that was that was the way. I, I don't know about this. So Yeah. I'll just ramble on, so you better just tell me to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd be interested to hear if, if listeners what their stance is on it, if they are uni- universally against it, if they're neutral or if they're in support of it. Let us know by emailing us at mail. Email at channelmaster.com. Thank you very much for Tear joining us. Oh, and on such short notice, too. Yeah, we really appreciate it. You had some really great feedback on all the stuff going going on at E3. And as always, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. And thank you also for writing in, as you did. Yes. (laughs) She writes in. She co-hosts. She's awesome. She does it all. (laughs) We appreciate it. Thank you to everyone else out there who is listening to the show, subscribing to us, and writing in. We 
really appreciate your your time and your enthusiasm about the show. And we will be back again 